Well, I want to start this morning uh, with a reading from the Old Testament, a very short reading from the first book of Samuel. We have these words. Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed is better than the fat of rams. Then turning to the New Testament, Gospel of Luke, the words of Jesus, who says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I will show you what they are. They are like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. When a flood came, the torrent struck that house but could not shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed, and its destruction was complete. Jesus was constantly asking questions of people, challenging them to think through the deepest issues of their lives. And this morning, Jesus puts a question to you and to me that is at once simple and painfully direct. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? When we call Jesus Lord, which, by the way, is the most frequently used title for Jesus in the New Testament, used about 700 times, But when we call Jesus Lord, we acknowledge His authority over our lives. And in church, when we we sing together and and pray together or recite the creed or what have you, all these these things are are expressive of our devotion to Christ, and uh, hopefully they are sincere. But somehow Jesus is not always impressed by our pious words and by by, uh, our orthodoxy. But he asks for evidence of our sincerity in good works of obedience. Obedience? Not the most popular sermon topic. If I was to put out on the electronic board out there that the sermon is on obedience, nobody would come. Because obedience is for children and for dogs. Amen. Amen. (laughs) And yet, the concept of obedience is fundamental to the Christian life, and it's exactly what is required if we are to live truly authentic Christian lives. So yes, obedience. And one way to understand obedience from God's perspective is to play Let's pretend. So, pretend with me, okay? Let's pretend that you work for me, Mark Smith. Actually, Jim does, sort of. (laughs) But pretend you all do. We all have a higher boss, of course, Jim, you know. You work for me, and you are my executive assistant in a company that is rapidly growing. So, I'm the owner And things are going so well that I am interested in expanding the business by opening up a branch office in Europe. 
So to pull this off, I make all these travel arrangements and figure out all that needs to be done to open up that branch office. And, uh, and I make you know, arrangements to, to move for the six to eight months or whatever it would take to open up this office. And I leave you in charge of the busy stateside operations. And I tell you that I will write you regularly and I will give you direction and instructions. I leave you and you stay. And months pass and you have received a steady flow of letters from me at the national headquarters. I spell out all my expectations. And then finally, I return. Upon my arrival, I, I drive to the office, and I am stunned. Weeds are grown in the yard. Uh, you know, windows on the street side are all broken. Uh, I walk into the, the foyer of the office, and there's a receptionist, and she's got her feet on the, on the desk, and she's doing her nails listening to her favorite jazz music. I look around and, you know, there's paper coming out of the, out of the baskets, uh, the garbage baskets, and, and I can tell that the carpet has not been vacuumed for weeks. And nobody seems concerned that the owner has returned. So I ask about your whereabouts, and someone in the, in the crowded lounge points down the hall and says, well, he must be somewhere down there. She must be somewhere down there. And so... Being somewhat disturbed, I walk down the hall, and I bump into you, and you are finishing a card game with the sales manager. And so I ask you to step into my office, which has been temporarily turned into a room for playing video games, and I say to you, what in the world is going on? What do you mean, Mark? What in the world is going on? Didn't you get any of my letters? Letters? Oh, yeah, sure. We got them, and you know what? As a matter of fact, we have had letter study every Wednesday night. And we even divided up the personnel into small groups, and we discussed many of the things you wrote. And you know... There's a lot of good stuff in those letters. Really interesting stuff. We loved it. And you'll be pleased to know that, that many of us actually memorized some lines in the letter. Maybe even whole passages. And one or two of the employees actually memorized the whole letter. So I say, okay, okay. So uh, you got my letters and you read them and you study them, and you meditated on them. You know, you even memorized them. But what did you do about them? Do? Uh, are we supposed to do something? You see, obedience matters. It matters a great deal to our Lord, because our obedience makes him smile. It's actually the most important part of our worship. What we do, our obedience, as we live our lives out there beyond these walls, 
That's too is part of our worship. More important than the songs we sing and the praise, the prayers that we pray, anything else that we do here. In the end, it's obedience that matters. And so we have in the book of Samuel, again, these words. Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice. To heed is better than the fat of rams. Obedience is much better than whatever worship we offer in terms of our expressions of devotion. So if our obedience matters to our Lord, surely it ought to matter to us. And there's a fellow, a preacher, famous preacher, way back in the 19th century, a guy by the name of Charles Spurgeon, I don't know why, but I always think of a big fish when I hear his name, Charles Spurgeon. But this is what he says. He says, faith and obedience are bound up in the same bundle. He that obeys God trusts God, and he that trusts God obeys God. Trust and obedience, faith and obedience, they are bundled together. They are interconnected. But I'm always amazed at how often you and I fail to make the connection between them, between our trust on the one hand and obedience on the other, between faith and our life, between what we do on Sunday mornings and what we do Monday through Saturday. So I think about that, that old rough guy uh, on the frontier back when, frontier days, who uh, one night at a revival uh, meeting went up and gave a testimony about his life. And he said, brothers and sisters, you all know that I have not been what I ought to have been and that I have stolen hogs and I've gotten drunk and told lies. And I've been playing poker and gambling and I've been cussing and swearing. But one thing I stand here and I testify to you is that through all this, one thing I haven't done, I ain't lost my religion. Well, did he ever really have it? You see, because obedience matters. If it doesn't affect the way we actually live, it's worthless. It's not easy to obey Christ, and that's why there are so many Christians who remain Christians in name only. They have responded to Christ on a superficial level. You know, they give him kind of a nodding acknowledgement that he is Lord, but his lordship has not yet become a practical reality in their lives. They are Christians who have not yet become disciples. I guess I use the word Christians kind of lightly because how can you be a Christian and not be a disciple? How can you be a Christian if you don't actually follow Jesus and actually make him an authority in your life? Actually, we kind of do that all the time sometimes, <laughs> which is a danger which is what I'm pointing out here. Eugene Peterson aptly describes a Christian life as a long obedience in the same direction. That's what the Christian life is, a long obedience in the same direction. So often, I think sometimes we have a romantic view of discipleship. If we're disciples, and man, everything is going to go great, and we're going to see miracles everywhere, and it's going to be joyful and stuff. But actually, there's a grittiness to the Christian life. It's kind of a day-in, day-out obedience involving perseverance. It's a long obedience in the same direction in the way of 
the kingdom. So in this book with this name, Along Obedience in the Same Direction, Peterson points out, this is really a great thing, he says it's not difficult in our world to get a person interested in the message of the gospel. It's terrifically difficult to sustain the interest. Millions of people in our culture make decisions for Christ, but there's a dreadful attrition rate. Many claim to have been born again, but the evidence for mature Christian discipleship is slim. In our kind of culture, anything, even news about God, can be sold if it's packaged freshly, but when it loses its novelty, it goes on the garbage heap. There's a great market for religious experience in our world. There is little enthusiasm for the patient acquisition of virtue, little inclination to sign up for a long apprenticeship in what earlier generations of Christians called holiness. To be a disciple is to be apprentice, and you don't learn overnight, right? It's kind of a day-in, day-out kind of thing. And that's how it is in our Christian life. Uh, it's not about incredible experiences we have every day, but it's, it's gutting it out, practicing those virtues that, uh, that Christ calls us to. So obeying Jesus Christ is not easy. The way is often narrow and hard and long, and it necessarily involves self-denial and self-sacrifice. And I tell you what, that is so counterculture, it hurts. That's why it's so hard, because everything else in the culture points in a totally different direction. It involves self-denial, sacrifice, the practice of spiritual disciplines like attending worship regularly, getting involved in prayer and Bible study and service. But the Christian journey need not be burdensome. We must not forget the truth that when he asks us to obey, he also gives us the power to carry it out. We're able to do more than we thought possible because of him in our lives. Now, all of this talk about obedience, don't you just love this talk? Because we just, that's <laughs> the term, you know, obedience. It's very well, it's very good, but we want to ask, what's in it for me, right? Why should I obey? Kind of a basic question. And there are, in fact, many blessings that come as a result of our obedience. So let me mention just a couple. Now, I made this point recently in a sermon, and it, and it uh, merits repeating. To obey Jesus as Lord is to know perfect freedom, true freedom. Everybody longs for freedom, right? That's the one thing that we all want. But for many people, the pursuit of freedom leads, in fact, to bondage. Uh, in the name of freedom, they become enslaved to their own selfish desires and passions or to various compulsive habits and, and addictions. People do what they want to do, and then they find themselves trapped. The greatly loved Bible teacher Henrietta Mears, who taught youth at Hollywood Presbyterian Church in California for years, knew the secret of true freedom. And she wanted her students to know it too. So with young people in mind, she said, a bird is free in the air. Place a bird in the water and he has lost his liberty. A fish is free in the water, but leave him on the sand and he perishes. 
He's out of his realm. So, young people, the Christian is free when he does the will of God and is obedient to God's commands. This is as natural a realm for God's child as the water is for the fish or the air for the bird. So that when we obey God, we are living as we were intended to live from the very beginning of our creation. When we obey God, we're living in harmony with God's intentions. And that harmony brings harmony and balance to the rest of our lives. And it brings true freedom and joy and fulfillment. Our Lord asks us to obey not because he's a heavy and because he wants to spoil our fun, but because when we obey, we are living truly and rightly in line with our, with our being. Um, it's about being truly human. When we obey, we're truly human. We flourish. So obedience, however, not only does it, bring, does it bring freedom, but it also grows our faith. Because the more we obey God, the more faith we get. The more we learn and grow. Oswald Chambers, some of you know of Oswald Chambers. He was a, a very famous Christian devotional writer. He wrote a very famous book called My Utmost for His Highest. Um, but he says this. He says, we learn more by five minutes obedience than by ten years study. It's only by obedience that we understand the teaching of God. Now get that, right? We learn more by five minutes obedience than by ten years of study. So if we live faithfully by the little light that we now have, we will be given more light and more faith. The more faith we have, the stronger we will be when the storms of life inevitably blow in and we will have a foundation like the man who built his house upon a rock. It'll stand in trouble. So clearly it pays for you and for me to obey. The Lord has only our welfare and our happiness in mind when he tells us what to do. Now please understand this. Our obedience doesn't win us entrance into heaven because none of us are obedient enough. None of us are perfectly obedient. Uh, we're not going to get there by our own obedience. Our salvation, our ultimate acceptance with God is won by His perfect obedience, not ours. Nor will our obedience necessarily make us a candidate for sainthood. You and I will never get there normal sense of what we mean by saint. And our obedience won't make the Lord love us any more than he already loves us right now. His love is unconditional and it's not earned. But by doing what he says, we simply show the Lord how much we love him. Grateful for his love, we respond by doing his will, by obeying his commands. We do it not only because it's good for me and you and me, but because we love him. And if we truly love the Lord, there's nothing we wouldn't do, right, for that person. When you're in love, as, as I was and still am with my wife, Olin, there's nothing I wouldn't do for her. Now, sometimes I do get kind of selfish and I kind of lose that. But, uh, but that's what love is all about, right? Man, you want to do it because you want to. Not because I have to, because I'm married to her. 
because I got the contract. No, it's, it's out of love. So is Jesus' lordship a practical reality in our lives? I mean, I think we have to be really honest about that. Is he really? When we call Jesus Lord, is he really? Or are we still Lord of our lives and doing our own thing and asking God to kind of baptize what we've already planned to do? I mean, does he really rule over us as Lord of lords and King of kings? Do we do what he says? Or are we Christians in name only? Do we know the deep contentment that comes from doing what he says, living within his will? Now, I want to leave you with this image. It comes from a, a person named Evelyn Underhill, who was a, a Christian devotional writer. Uh, and, uh, and this is what she says. She, she suggests that the Christian is like, we should be like a sheepdog. When the shepherd wants him to do something, he lies down at his feet, looks intently into the shepherd's eyes, and listens without budging until he has understood the mind of his master. Then he jumps to his feet, runs to do it. And the third characteristic, says Underhill, which is not less important, at no moment does the dog stop wagging its tail. To obey the Lord is to know joy. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? Those that love me will run to obey my commandments, and they'll do it with joy. Let's pray together. Lord, uh, obedience is actually a good thing because it's by obedience that we experience your perfect freedom because that's our natural realm. That's the realm for which we were created. So, Lord, help us to live for you, to live by your words, knowing that as we do so, we shall grow our faith and our joy and we shall have a foundation so that when the storm comes, our lives will stand. So, Lord, give us your power to do your will. Each day, grant us the patience to become more like you day by day. In Christ's name we pray these things. Amen.